Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about how to overcome shame, find your purpose, and embrace your identity. Today, I brought on Ivan Estrada, real estate entrepreneur and creator of the brand with Ecosystem. Ivan Estrada is an international business leader and top-ranked real estate entrepreneur. He has been featured on NBC's Open House, HGTV's House Hunters, and Bravo's Million Dollar Listing, as well as the Los Angeles Times and Forbes. He is the author of the new book, Brand with Purpose, Find Your Passion, Stay True to Your Story, and Accelerate Your Career. Estrada is also part of the selected cohort of top entrepreneurs for the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative. He's currently a member of the Advisory Council at the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles and was a former president of the Los Angeles LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Additionally, Estrada lends his expertise as a mentor with universities and various community organizations, such as the Social Justice Learning Institute and Youth Business Alliance. So wow, as you can see, Ivan is truly amazing. He's been through a lot and is truly going to be the best person for this episode. We're going to discuss identity and how this ties into your purpose and how you can excel as a career warrior here. Let's launch right into it with our 257th episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Oh my gosh, Ivan, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris, what's going on? Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you on. And I really loved our conversation we had last week, just getting to know you. You truly have a unique background. And I think we owe it to listeners to share that with them. So go ahead and start from the top where it all started with your humble beginnings and how you rose to the top as a real estate entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. So mom and dad are from Mexico. They immigrated here in their 20s. Mom was a seamstress, among other things, because she was a hustler. She did everything to put food on the table. My dad was a house painter and a janitor. He still is at a middle school here in Glendale. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. We were very lower middle class, but there's a lot of love, love for education, for inspiration. My mom and dad always said, look, we, we left Mexico to give the two of you a better start. We want you to go to college, find a career, and really live the American dream. And, you know, my sister and I, since we were a kid, you know, we started selling drawings door to door for $2. We used to have yard sales. And, you know, we were saving up for college because we knew that that's what it was going to take to be successful. And, you know, my love for music came at a pretty young age. You know, in my 12, when I was 12 years old, I got signed to a record contract. So I did that for Univision and TV Azteca did that route for many, many years. It all kind of came to an end at 17, 18. I had to go to school. I ended up going to Pasadena City College first. Um, mm -hmm. So I did the community college route, got that out of the way, and then uh, transferred to USC, Marshall School of Business, and then did Leventhal School of Accounting. My dad always wanted to be an accountant. He wasn't able to because he just went to high school. He couldn't go to college because he had me. And so all the years that he put into me in my music career, I felt like I had to give it back. So I went to school to be a CPA and then worked at a big public accounting firm in downtown, did that for several years. And by year three, I thought, oh, no, I made a huge mistake. Like, what mm -hmm. did I do? 
I'm good at numbers. And I was doing this for my dad because, you know, he gave up so much for me and he like he's done so much for me that I felt like I owed it to him. But I was starting to become depressed. I honestly lost complete sight to what my purpose was, because as a kid, I 100 percent thought my purpose was music. I loved being on a stage. I loved singing and being able to shape people's emotions with music. After, you know, those three and a half years, I had to make the tough decision to leave. And for me, it was, damn, I went to college for accounting and finance. Damn, yeah. I did this for mom and dad. Damn, like, now what? Like, do I go back to school and study something different? Do I go back to the music world? And in all honesty, real estate was one of those things that I had thought about in the past, but never really thought of it as like a real career choice because, I don't know, like in my mindset, it was like, oh, you do open houses, you bake cookies, you put out balloons, and then that's kind of the job. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't until I did an internship and actually one of my friends said, hey, I saw a million dollar listing, you know, season one. And he's like, this could be your it. Like, I yeah. think this is your thing because everything that you've done in your past, like, it's going to be so valuable for you in this business. What about real estate? Yeah. Um, and in my mind, I was, I thought, I'm not a salesperson. What are you talking about? I don't know how to sell. And now in hindsight, like, I had literally open yard sales almost every Saturday. I was always selling something, pogs, power ranger cards, candies at a vending machine business when I was 17. I was in sales and as a musician, right? As a singer, I was always selling myself, right? Selling my music and and selling what the message was about me as a as an artist. And so I thought, "Wait, I was born to do this." And 13 years later, you know, it's been an incredible journey. You know, my office is here in Beverly Hills. I still pinch myself every day because I wake up like when I wake up, I wake up at like 4:15, sometimes 4 o'clock, and I just jolt out of bed and I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to start my day. And I'm honestly like I could say this is like part of my purpose. Like yeah. for me, real estate is a passion. My purpose is helping others. And so I'm what I'm doing now is merging the two mm -hmm. so that I can, you know, not only fulfill the success that I want in my life, but also help other people along the way. That's fantastic. And what a great illustration of not only career change, but what finding your purpose can actually do for your life. I mean, that's freaking awesome. And for those of you who don't know, listeners right now, you got to look up Ivan Estrada. He is legit and it is not easy to make it as a real estate entrepreneur. It's actually got to be one of the toughest things when you look at your competition, but You've had to do so much and you've had so much drive and purpose throughout your own career. And I'm glad that what now you're doing is you're serving other people who want to do the same for themselves to find their purpose and to really live their best life. So thank you for coming onto the show here. And I just have to kick right into it and tie in shame and some of the things that we might be telling ourselves to hold ourselves back. But yeah, what are some of these things that we are telling ourselves that hold us back? And I'd love to hear some examples that you've had in your own career and your own life. Let's unpack that a little bit and we'll delve into purpose afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the biggest ones in general, and then I'll get to mine is I'm not good enough, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not good enough. And that was a tape that played in my subconscious for the longest time until I literally had to go back into my life and figure out where did that come into play? When did I feel that I wasn't good enough? And so to go into my personal shame, 
and the things that I had to deal with in order to be successful, not just in business or as a brand, but as a person, right, in life. You know, growing up, I was told at a very young age in school that I shouldn't tell people I was Mexican because I wasn't going to be able to be successful and people wouldn't respect me and to tell people that I was Italian instead. And I took that to heart. Like that moment, I think, was a pivotal moment in my life in, in second grade when I thought, no, if I want to be successful, I guess it's not okay to be Mexican. That's so young, um, man. Oh, my gosh. It was pretty young. And, and honestly, you know, where I grew up, primarily Caucasian at the time, you know, when I looked at my, you know, people that surrounded me that were of Mexican or Latino descent, you know, obviously Mexican, you know, a lot of the people were my dad's friends who were mechanics or were also janitors or were gardeners. And, and I thought, oh, my God, they're right. If I want to make it in this career to be successful— I can't be Mexican, so I have to make up this other identity. And I did, right? I, for the longest time, would lie about where I was from. I would tell people I was Italian. And that kind of gave me the confidence to kind of keep going. But at the same time, like I was, when I think about it now, how disgraceful it was to my family and to myself of not honoring my roots. But, you know, as a kid, it was something that was just instilled in me. And it wasn't because I wasn't proud of being Mexican. It's just like what I felt I needed to do. Yeah. What had to get done. And so, you know, as the years went by and, you know, in middle school and junior high, high school, you know, people would say, oh, yeah, you're Italian. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, 100 percent. And that got me to a point to where then in my 20s, mid 20s, like I felt like I was wearing a mask and I wasn't being my true self. Right. Like I would show up to job interviews or even in school. And there was always this like this little voice in the back of my head saying, you're such a disgrace. You're such a liar. Like, you know, I remember even in high school telling my dad who had his, you know, beat up pickup truck that he had and having him drop me off two blocks from school. And now thinking of it in retrospect, I was like, damn, like it feels like nasty to even say that. But at the same time, like to yeah. feel so honored now and to obviously look at it from a different perspective that I'm like, my poor father probably cried on the way home when I was asking him to like leave me two blocks away from school, which, you know, we've had these conversations and he laughs about it now, but, you know, he said it, it did hurt my feelings, you know, because this was the best that I could do. And so now, obviously, as a very proud Mexican, like a hundred percent, like I'm like, if I can- Owning it, you know, is owning it. <laughs> I, I, like I own it, but it took yeah. a long time to own it and to figure out like not letting that identity kind of feel like it was holding me back because in reality, it wasn't holding me back. I was the one holding myself back. It was just this story, right? That somebody yeah. told me that took a couple of seconds that completely changed the narrative of my most, you know, my teen and into my twenties. And it wasn't until I was able to kind of face that on head on and say like, what does this have to do with anything? Like, why am I allowing this to, to drag me down? Like, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of the fact that my parents you know, came to a new country to give me a better start. I'm proud of my ancestors and my grandparents and everyone that came before them to get to the, like where I'm at now is because of all the hard work that they put into it, right? Like it's given me the opportunity to be a successful real estate broker in Beverly Hills and to be a successful businessman. And so, you know, it was a lot of work to get through, to untie that shame from my way of being. Yeah, that's such a great example. And thank you so much for sharing. And I 
I haven't had, you know, the same level, you know, as, as a Latina myself, I'm actually fully Hispanic for your listeners who didn't know. And I feel like I could own that a little bit more. But yeah, I remember once being told um, after getting into a really good college that the only reason I got into that college was actually because I was Latino and it was just an affirmative action thing. And for just the first year, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, am I like the dumbest one here? <laughs> I'm just here because I'm Latino. That actually ended up inspiring me and even angering me, I think, in a good way to where I ended up, you know, making slightly above, not like well above average, but slightly above average than the rest of my peers. And it's funny, the stories that we tell ourselves and what being conscious of those stories can do, because it's time to turn the ship around. It's time to really own your identity, I think. And that's why listeners are probably here today. So you also brought something up, I think, in our last conversation that I think was based more on background, but sometimes people tell ourselves that going to college versus not going to college and some of the experiences that we've accumulated aren't good enough. Any elaboration that you'd like to make that on that for listeners? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was telling you about some of my cousins, like half of my cousins went to college, some of them have graduate degrees, and then there's the other half who didn't go to college. And a lot of them are in their 30s now, and we've had heart-to-heart conversations about how shameful they are that they didn't go to college, Mm -hmm. that they were born in the United States, born in Los Angeles, and had the opportunity and didn't take it. And they kind of take this on with them, and it makes them feel like they're not good enough for certain jobs, or that they're not good enough or smart enough, right? Like, oh, Ivan, you're just smart because you went to college. I was like, no, I'm not. You know, I think college, you just learn so much general information right? It's the specialization that makes you unique in what you want to do, right? And I'm like, and you can get that through podcasts, through books, through personal development courses, right? There's so many trainings out there that allow people to live their potential, right? And most people, as a great example, my coach, Aaron Keith, I talk about him a lot. He came into my life six years ago. He's my mentor. He's been like the artist behind the artist, I would say, who's been whispering in my ear saying, you can do it. You've got this. You can do anything. You could write a book. You can do a course. He didn't go to college, right? Like he went to high school, barely got through high school, and he is so successful. I mean, this guy is an entrepreneur. He has his hands in everything. I've learned so much from him and he did not go to college, right? And so I think in this day and age, you know, college is great for some people, for others, it's probably, you know, not their route. There's other ways of becoming successful. And, you know, for me, at least college just opened my mind. It, it allowed me to garner a different perspective. Also, it helped me become more aware, right? It gave me more awareness. But the fact that I'm at where I'm at, you know, it's not, you know, trigonometry or things that I learned in college or, you know, religious studies. I mean, it was great. You know, learning about Marketing 101 was amazing. But, everything that I've done in my life has been what I did after college, Yeah, right? Like the books that I read, the mentors that I got to know that I learned from, the podcasts that I listened to, you know, the programs that I continually tend to take to help me become a better entrepreneur and a better businessman and a better person. So I think, you know, just because you didn't go to college, and I'm just going to say this, if I don't know if I can cuss, but it doesn't mean shit. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. And I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's the the types of things that you go for. You can still get a solid education and solid experience without having, you know, the pedigree or whatever university degree that you think your dream job has to have. 
And I think it's about your attitude and your mentality and what you do with what you have right now. And so I think you're a great illustration, again, of owning your identity and being able to create your own world. So before we delve into some of the steps that we can take to own our identity and combat shame, can you just paint a picture for job seekers about what life would look like if I'm able to get rid of that shame and own my identity? I think what life can look like once you get over that shame and that identity, you feel so powerful. It gives you true intention because in order to be successful at anything, there has to be some type of intention. And once you get rid of that shame and the demons that are holding you back, that's when your imagination starts running, right? Like yep. the passion and the energy to think outside of the box and to see yourself in a life that you can construct on your own. Because with that shame, and I'm telling you, when I used to look in the mirror, I used to hate what I would see and not visually what I look like, but what I felt like I was turning into as a person, right? And once you get rid of all that and you accept yourself fully, and it's a process and it's an ongoing process, because I think as the years, you know, it's putting in the work, right? Like if you want to have a great body, you need to eat right and go to the gym consistently. Because yeah. once you stop going, everything goes away. And the same thing about shame. Like it's, I have to consistently work at reminding myself. And when things come up that trigger my shame, right? Because it's, it's those triggers that set you back to that moment. Like for me, when I was, you know, seven years old, figuring out how to not gravitate and put in motion towards those triggers and just state the facts for what they are. And I'm like, oh, that's their belief system, not mine, right? I'm not allowing that to get in, into my mindset. But when you're able to just really see the facts and not attach stories to that shame and, and have it hold you back, I mean, honestly, anything is possible. And I know that sounds really cliche because I would hear that all the time in my 20s. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, everything is possible. But honestly, when you get a taste of that, mm. when you get a taste of waking up and loving yourself and knowing like this is it and yeah. I can do anything, the universe, I feel like the universe gifts those who are ready. And in order to be ready, you need to love yourself fully. And then the universe, for some reason, I kid you not, it just starts throwing stuff at you, all these ideas and opportunities. And unless you're ready to receive them, you know, the universe is going to keep them to themselves. Life just gets sweeter and the pain starts to go away. Love that. Okay, so let's talk about some steps here. Let's say you are speaking to a younger Ivan who wants to get into real estate, knows how tough it is. And what would you tell that person in order to break the mold in terms of step one? What's really step one in order to embrace your identity? Step one in order to embrace your identity, I think, is acceptance, right? Acceptance of who you are, of your past, of your present, so that then you can build the future that you want. I have to do that continuously. I would say you probably still do that. weekly. I still you do still that. I have to. Oh, yeah. It's, it's reminding yourself because, you know, when life happens, right? Shit hits the fan. I have to continually remind myself of who I am and how far I've come. And so in order to be able to take those steps is continually reminding yourself about who you are and everything that you've accomplished, right? Because everything that I've done as a person or as a brand is a collection of all my experiences and all the challenges I've faced. So really putting that into place and understanding who you are so that that way you can understand where you want to go, right? Okay. Like it's like if you're a pilot, you need to figure out your directions, latitude, longitude, where am I going? You need to put a plan together in order to get that plane off the ground and in order to 
go to your destination. That makes sense. So we're building the awareness behind that kind of stuff. And do you recommend any action taking? You know, we've had podcast guests talking about journaling and other things like that. But what physically can I do to set that type of awareness in motion? I am a huge advocate for meditation, a Hmm. huge advocate for meditation. I am very ADD. I always have been. And five years ago, I was told you need to meditate. And I was like, no, no, I can't do that. Like, you have no idea. My brain is always going and I can't sit tight for two minutes. Like, it's not going to work for me. When I started meditating, it took several months, I would say five to six months to see a difference. But I felt like the lights turn on. Yeah. Right. And what that allowed me to do is, you know, with social media, with friends, family, colleagues, all of that, there's all this noise, right? All these ideas that are always raging through your head that are not your own. Meditation allowed me to do was to actually listen to myself. It allowed me to listen to what I wanted, to what I wanted to do, right? To what job I wanted. It's that silence you need sometimes too, because that you're right, the noise, the constant noise that we deal with, especially, you know, this year. Yeah. And of course, the noise is mostly negative, right? It's mostly negative. And in order to really listen to yourself and to shield yourself from that negativity, I had to learn how to meditate. And, you know, my parents don't meditate or my sister. Most of, I would say, my family members are like, oh, meditation, like, you know, it doesn't work. But it's been life changing for me. I notice when I don't meditate, I don't feel like myself. I feel like I'm in someone else's body. And that meditation over time, it gives you not just it makes you feel grateful, right? Because I think gratitude is a huge strong suit in order to kind of to feel powerful. But again, like what you said is it has allowed me to really think because sometimes we don't sit and think, right? Like we just kind of we take other people's opinions and we do what they want us to do, even subconsciously. But when you're able to really think and think for yourself and make the choices that you know are your choices and not someone else's choices, it's powerful. It's really, really powerful. And, you know, I meditation to me is has really changed my life. And I I think it changed anyone's life. I agree. I'll tell people like the biggest game changer I've had in my recent history has been a morning 30 minute meditation and prayer ritual, like 30 minutes, no matter what I will get in there. I have a closet right now. I turn into my meditation room and I've just really made it my own, but I'll back up literally everything you've said, which is like, I've been able to find so much clarity to what's going on in my life and what I need to do when I take that time to consistently meditate and pray in silence. It's really helped me out so much. A hundred percent. And what you just said, I just want to reiterate to everyone because I think it's so important is, you know, it's something you do every morning, having a morning routine, which might consist of meditation, gratitude journal, and visualization and prayer, because I do believe in my higher power. Those four things I do every single day, no matter where I am. And they ground me. They ground me so much that in order throughout the day when things happen and things are thrown at you that you were not expecting and it kind of gets you off course, having this morning routine really kind of centers you. And so that way you can stay consistent. You don't have panic attacks or freakouts. You're able to to deal with difficult situations very calm yeah. instead of reacting, right? You just react like you could stop and like, whoa. Okay, that just happened. What are my options here? And then you could start thinking and figuring out how to deal with those problems instead of reacting and just going, you know, blank. Yeah. And a lot of this goes, again, this is talking about owning our identity and knowing who we are. 
and embracing that. So let's tie that into finding your purpose. And I love the story you brought up earlier, which is used to, you know, as a kid, used to have that entrepreneurial itch, you know, selling to people and knowing that. And it took some time to realize that, that you had that deep inside. But how do we find our purpose once we start to get a hold of this awareness that we're talking about? As a kid, I was told, you know, your passion is for you and your purpose is for others, right? And how can you intertwine those two to live a successful life, right? And so, you know, going back to being a kid when you're unfiltered through life, right? The, the expectations of what you want to be when you grow up. And, you know, when I go to my youth, it was, you know, I loved selling. And it wasn't the selling aspect. It was that I saw the happiness that it brought to other people. Like when I was selling Power Ranger cards and pogs <laughs> and, you know, think candies at school, I saw the happiness that people would get from it. And mm -hmm. of course it was mutual, right? I was happy because I was selling and they were happy because they got what they wanted. And so, you know, those moments, which I've taken into real estate, because when I'm selling a house, when you're buying or selling a house, there's a life change, right? It's a major life change. You either you're relocating, you're having a kid, or it could be as unfortunate as a divorce or a death, right? Like there's a change in life. And so I was able to really figure out my purpose by going back to my past and figuring out what were the things that I did as a kid that I did because I wanted to do them, yeah. because I felt the most free and the most liberated and the most passionate at that time, right? Because then as we get older, it's like expectations from parents, from teachers, from society, from family, from friends, yeah. from you know pop culture of what we should be doing and not be doing. And so going back to when you're a kid and figuring out what were the things that I enjoyed doing, yeah. What were the things that I felt that were not work, but fun? Because for me as a real estate entrepreneur and with everything that I'm doing for my courses and my books, it's all fun. It all ties back to the things that I was doing as a kid, which was as a kid, I used to build dioramas. I used to build castles and, and I would paint them and color them. And I would ask my dad to take me to Smart and Final so I get cardboard <laughs> from the back from the barrels yeah. where they would just recycle all the stuff. I was always a builder. I yeah. was always one who saw something in my head and I wanted to put it together and see it in front of me. And that's what I get to do now, right? With my book and with my courses and with selling, you know, I'm not selling pogs and I'm not selling Power Ranger cards or candy or cans for money. I'm selling homes yeah. and I'm helping people achieve home ownership, but also helping them with a the life change. And, you know, it's a mutual happiness there. They're helping me achieve my goals and dreams as an entrepreneur and I'm helping them achieve their goals and dreams as a homeowner. And so really going back and really taking inventory of, of you as five, as a five-year-old, as a six-year-old, as a seven-year-old and figuring out what was I doing that I loved yeah. and how can I provide value to humanity by doing the things that I love and also create the life that I want either financially, emotionally, and physically in order to be to feel like I'm living my truest and fullest purpose. That's wonderful. And I want to ask a clarifying question. And I love that you said like your passion is for yourself and your purpose is for others. Because for me, it ties into reality in the situation that you know, you have to follow the market in some ways you can't just work at something that no one's going to pay you for. Otherwise, you'll end up just not making any money or having to do something 
you know, mostly on the side. Yeah. But which what, is which is fine as long as it's a hobby, right? We can all have yeah. hobbies, but if it's something that the market is in not need for, then you know, you kind of need to recalibrate yourself and, and figure it exactly what it is that you want to do. Because yeah. there's just so many options, right? Yeah. There's so many options. Clearly you found it. Like, oh my gosh, you were just killing it. But what would you tell to somebody who legitimately believes that they should be playing basketball right now when it's so hard to be in the NBA and to make it and they're, I don't know, five foot five and don't have the best, but it's what they love to do as a kid, like absolutely 100% in love with. Like, is that what we're telling people or is there a, another clarity that we need to make here? Okay. So I think as a, as a kid, when you're playing, like, let's say you're five, five and, and you're playing basketball, it's not, I wouldn't think of it just as the basketball, but what you're getting from it emotionally, right? Like, is it mm. the, the fact that you are very competitive, right? Is it, a, is it something that you like because of the competitive aspect, right? Or was it more of the physical aspect, right? So if you're thinking of competitiveness, my God, you need to be in sales, right? So many of my colleagues <laughs> were in sports as a kid and they do so well because one, they're competitive too. They love the training aspect, right? Because in sales, there's so much training. Or there's others who are with basketball, as the example is like, you loved the physical part, right? You loved what it made you feel, like how you made your body feel in your mind. Then is it something in the fitness world, right? Or, you know, is there something to do with not just the sport itself, but the manufacturing of products. You can have your own, you know, line for basketball players, right? Like it could be like your line for basketball players for dads, right? I'm sure there's a market <laughs> for dads because a lot of my friends are dads. Yeah. And they love playing basketball, right? They're You'll lawyers. still find the same fulfillment and purpose and passion from that that you had when you were a kid, right? You know? Exactly. Yeah. It's playing basketball as the key thing, but just what you're getting from it, right? Like yes. we talked about, right? And there's friends of mine who still love playing basketball in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. They're not doing it as a sport because they were like, yeah, you know, I was the kid who was like 5'3", a little chubby. You know, I can never really, you know, get it through the free throw line. But I still love doing it. And I still make time out of my busy day as yeah. a doctor, as a dentist, to make sure that I keep playing because it, it just fulfills me so much. You just got to combine it. That makes so much sense. I love the uh, purposely asked those devil's advocate questions just because I find I get the best answers and I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's so great. People can just open up their minds and find what they really want to do there. I'll ask you this because we talked about it last time. Then we'll wrap up with some miscellaneous, quirky, rapid fire questions here in a second. But I love this concept of the 80-20 rule. And we talked about this as well. But how should the 80-20 rule apply to our jobs and our careers? Yeah, absolutely. So the 80-20 rule, you know, I learned this pretty early on from all my coaches. You know, they use it like, you know, in, in a company, it's usually 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Or mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, at a bar, it's 20% of the people drinking 80% of the drinks, right? <laughs> I haven't heard that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whenever it's time to choose a career path, right, or a purpose of yours of what you want to for it to be your, you know, your either your company or your employer or the path that you want in whatever, you know, industry you decide to work in is that you have to love what you're doing 80% of the time, right? And then that other 20%, it's going to be that miscellaneous stuff that you just don't like doing that. It's like, oh, I hate yep. this part of my job. But in reality, if 80% of it is pretty amazing and you're loving it, you're in a really good spot. And I would say even 70, 30, right? As much as I love what I do, 
there's always some of those things where I'm like, oh, I hate this part. Or like, oh, this is the part that makes me unhappy. <laughs> and that's okay, right? That's totally okay. Because being happy 100% of the time, no matter how much I'm passionate about what I do, it's impossible. Because if you do, like, call me because you need to be studied because you're probably an alien because I've never heard of anyone <laughs> who's at 100%. So if 80% of the time you can love and be fulfilled and passionate about what you're doing and still have those 20% where you're like, oh, this is not a part that I enjoy. I think you're living a pretty good life. I love that. I love that you were helping people to achieve their best lives, but you're also very grounded in reality because who the heck likes their job 100% of the time? I don't care if you're no in one. the NBA, an all-star. <laughs> exactly. Some people are exactly. yeah. Yeah. awesome. So I'm going to hit you with three rapid fire questions. Let's try to do 30 seconds each. And I haven't done this in a while, so I'm really excited. I felt you were the person for this. But I'll open with, you're a morning and nighttime routine person. So let's hear your morning and nighttime routine. So morning routine, wake up 4.15, 4.30, meditation immediately for 10 to 15 minutes, gratitude journal, five things I'm grateful for and why I need to attach some emotion to it. I also do my prayers, and then the last thing that I do is visualization. How do I want to visualize my day? And a cold shower, too. I do a five-minute freezing cold shower. It's something I don't like doing, but it reminds me that there's things that I'm not going to want to do throughout the day, Yeah. and it kind of it hits me with that dopamine shot at the end of the shower. I'm like, oh, then my brain is looking for other things to do that are uncomfortable because I know I'm going to get a, a hit of dopamine, and I, and I love that. My night routine, always a nice warm shower. I do a foam roller and I stretch because I sometimes get bad sleep and my doctor was like, do you stretch before you go to bed? I'm like, not really. It's like, you need to stretch because I think like you're a very tense person. You're always up, you know, doing everything and, and anything. So stretching, nice foam roller and just going to bed. And I put that blue screen on TV for like 20 or 30 minutes to just kind of drown out thoughts and, and ideas. And I literally watch the same TV shows every single night so it's not i'm not paying attention it's just it drowns out the voices and in my head to kind of calm down and then i'm able to go to sleep i love that you're a high performing individual so it's great to hear what you do to set yourself up for success all right other question and gosh i had fun writing this one let's see how it goes is if humans began to inhabit mars and all of a sudden there was little demand to buy real estate on earth how would you react well, that's a good question because I'm getting very involved in the metaverse. So the metaverse is buying, being able to own virtual land and be able to sell products and services in the ah. metaverse. So if for some reason <laughs> I can't sell real estate in the real world, I will be in the metaverse before I hit Mars. But uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what the metaverse is, I would definitely Google it, go on YouTube. It's, you know, also they're considering it Web 3.0 as well. I would look into it because I think there's a lot yeah. of potential, not just for real estate agents, yeah. but for people in every industry, there's a lot of opportunity there. So, you know, like I said, if you're looking for a new career path, I would look into the metaverse. I love it. It says that you can adapt and you also are into the diversification of income. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And last, you're obviously really big into marketing and that's with your brand with personality and everything you bring to the table. So if you can give every single job seeker listening right now one marketing skill, what would that be? If I had to teach a marketing skill that I think would be valuable for anyone looking for a new job is video. I think 
a video bio of who you are and what your passions are, your education, your work experience, other than just a boring resume, I think that would go very, very far. Like, hey, here's my resume. And by the way, here's a Dropbox link to a video of who I am as a person. Because I think in a resume, like there's just so much about you an employer can figure out, right? But if I can see you being dynamic and showing your personality and how passionate you are about the job that you're trying to get, I think that would be something that would separate you from the pact of just a bunch of paperwork and resumes to attaching a video of yourself. Awesome. Perfect. Well, Ivan Estrada, you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for joining us on the Career Warrior podcast. What is your final message of advice to career warriors before we delve into your book, which I'd love to hear about? But yes, your final message. Let's hear it. My final message would be, this is something I've been telling family and friends is be patient with yourself. You know, the world is changing and it's changing very, very rapidly. I think this is not an opportunity to be scared, but an opportunity for growth, an opportunity to reinvent yourself and an opportunity to find something that you love doing. And so I think being patient with yourself will reduce the anxiety of figuring out what's next and will really clear out your mind so that you can find what it is that you're, what you were put on this planet to do. So I think being patient with yourself and being open, right? Always having a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. And, you know, the universe will throw you messages and you just have to be ready and willing to listen to them so that you can then step into your power and, you know, live a fulfilled life. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Career Warrior Podcast. Let me ask you, what is one key takeaway I can get from your book, Brand with Purpose? Find your passion, stay true to your story and accelerate your career. One key takeaway. God, there's so many key takeaways. But I think the biggest one, which goes in line with what we're talking about, is really just feeling proud of who you are and where you come from, right? We're all very different. We all have different backgrounds, cultural, social, economical backgrounds, but just being true to who you are and loving yourself and owning that Mm -hmm. to your best of your ability, which could be, you could, most people maybe be able to do that right now, but for a lot of us, it might be a journey. And so that book, that true message was about really loving yourself because once you're able to love yourself, then you can love others. Then you can find a job that you love. And it's just like, like attracts like, right? Like it generates that positivity that will just bring in more positivity into your life. I love that. And you opted to not self-publish, right? Correct. Yeah. It was going to be a self-published project. And then the universe decided for me that it was not. <laughs> Let's and, go. Uh, so if you walk into a Target, a Walmart, a Barnes & Noble, Indie Books, Book Soup, and all of the uh, Hudson booksellers at every airport in the country, well, I believe 212 bookstores, you'll be able to find my book, Brand With Purpose, and also around the globe too. So <laughs> in, if you're in the UK, in Australia, in Mexico, in Chile, in Germany, in Switzerland, in Dubai. I mean, it's everywhere. And that wasn't my choice. Like I said, the universe decided it wanted to spread the message a little bit wider. And I am 100% on board with that decision. It's fantastic, Ivan. It's awesome. And so I know you're big on Instagram. I follow you. But how can people get in touch with you and stay up to date with what you're doing? Absolutely. So my Instagram is at Ivan Estrada Properties. And that's like a very wide range of personal business, the real brand with real estate, everything, but the brand with purpose book, brand with video course, and the brand with podcasts, you could find at the real brand with on Instagram. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Career Warrior Podcast. I really love this conversation, and I hope to stay in touch in the years to come. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Perfect. All right, listeners, this wraps up episode 257 of the Career Warrior Podcast. Really enjoyed getting into this one. I think this is a message I want every single one of you to hear is that it's important to own your identity. It's important to love yourself. It's important for you to do all these things so you can live your best life. It goes beyond just your resume, beyond how you do during interviews. It really goes to the core of who you are. So I hope this message, although tough to digest at times, was impactful for you. So share on LinkedIn, share with your friends because other people need to hear this message as well. And as always, I will include the hyperlinks within the description of this podcast. So when you are not jogging or driving, make sure to take a pause and then get everything synced up. All right, listeners, this wraps up episode 257 of the Career Warrior Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next Monday. Career Warrior Podcast. And before you go, remember, if you're not seeing the results you want in your job search, our highly trained team of professional resume writers here at Let's Eat Grandma can help. Head on over to letseatgrandma.com forward slash podcast to get a free resume critique and $70 off any one of our resume writing packages. We talk all the time on the show about the importance of being targeted in your job search. And with our unique writing process and focus on individual attention, you'll get a resume, cover letter, and LinkedIn profile that are highly customized and tailored to your goals to help you get hired faster. Again, head on over to letseatgrandma.com forward slash podcast. Thanks, and I'll see you next time. 